some point, you get called to hit the road, be it deployments, road trips, or recovering down planes in the field. Some of the best and worst times are on the road. In some cases, you know nothing but living on the road. From truck stops, crappy hotels, long drives, and even crappier diets, life on the open road isn't just for truckers. Yeah, six. So being in the aviation realm, uh, you spend a lot of life on the road, whether it's military or civilian. Um, in the civilian side, we call it AOG, aircraft on ground, and you go where the plane breaks. And I know in the military, if you got special mission going somewhere and that plane decides it to crap out a thousand miles away, guess where you're going a thousand miles away to fix it? Absolutely. Uh, I can remember this one time when I was having a very nice long weekend. We were scheduled to have a four-day weekend, matter of fact. And then my phone starts ringing at 11 o'clock at night. At this time, I'm dead ass asleep because I stayed up 24 hours prior to that. And I don't know what drew me to answer that phone. I probably shouldn't have, but I did anyway. And they say, hey, we have a plane that went down in the field. We need you to grab your stuff and get going. I'm like, fuck. All right. So here I am at 11, 11 o'clock, waking my dusty ass self up, grabbing all my shit, going to the shop, getting all my tools, getting the, getting the lowdown of what happened, and then hopping on a van and driving 300 miles to wherever the hell this plane is in the middle of Fuxville, nowhere. Yeah, only to get there and realize you didn't get the entire story and, and figured out that you didn't bring all the right tools for the job and or parts to complete that job. Absolutely. So, you either got to drive the 300 miles back and then back to where the aircraft's at, or you get, we usually had like a parts runner on standby yep. and you will call in another guy, which, you know, the parts runner is essentially, he's just another, another mechanic. And you call him up and say, Hey man, I need you to run me out hydrofluid, this tooling and whatever else, whatever, whatever specialty items are required to complete that job. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. So here I go, I drive 300 miles out to wherever this plane was. We figure out what the heck is actually wrong because they didn't even tell us what was wrong. They just say, hey, plane went down uh, on the field, go get it. I'm like, okay, so we're, we're bringing like some tools, but we didn't know exactly. It's one of those things like you don't know what you're going to find. So you just kind of bring the bare minimum because you don't want to bring too much. And you show up there. Oh, by the way, here's the problem. Fuck. And you try to catch the parts guy before he leaves for the day or whatever the hell he's doing for the day. Hey, parts guy, can you get us these tools and these parts and, and which have you and then shoot it up our way? And I don't know how it works for you guys on the AOG or the corporate realm, but these parts runners that do all the running for us aren't exactly the smartest or the greatest when it comes to aviation. It's just like a bunch of dudes were like, hey, man, here's the keys to this van. If you get a call, just do what they tell you and go. I'm like. Yeah, they're competent enough to have a driver's license, but that's about it. That's about it. <laughs> and it's like, why are you here? You're worthless. Like, like, just God, God bless, man. So to that one story, the reason why this plane went down was because the transmission mount broke off of the of the aircraft. So this aircraft was basically flying on on four bolts. Uh, just picture that for a minute, right? Four, four, four bolts about, I'd say two inches long is what's holding the aircraft in the air. Just mind blown. Right. And we, we didn't know that. We didn't know really that. <laughs> we didn't know that. So we come there. It's like, 
we started looking around what went wrong. We're thinking it was like an engine failure or some silly stuff like that. And we find this transmission is basically hanging on by a thread, literally a thread. I'm like, holy shit. You guys are lucky to be alive right now. Like I would just take the rest of the day off. Just don't even, don't even stick near this plane. Just go home. Cause we'll find someone else to fly this back. You guys are so fucking lucky. And then yes. we're trying to explain, and then we're trying to explain this to the parts dude. Hey man, we need this, this, and this. Like, uh, no, what, what, what is that? What does that mean? Like, God damn it. Yeah. So then you have to type up an extensive parts list with part numbers and serial numbers and whatever else. So then they can go to the stock room and pick out the parts that you need. And it got to the point for me in that, in that aspect where I would just go, you know what? I'm going to call the stock room. I'll, I'll get the stuff on order that way. Just show up and say, you're picking up for me, please. And don't forget right. anything on the list. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's assuming that even the people at the warehouse know what the hell you're talking about. Cause then going back to a previous episode where it has to match what they got versus what you're telling them, like Jesus fucking Christ. Or, or how about where, where there's a part number and then there's a mill, a mill spec part number. It's the Jeez. same. It's the same component. There's just one for, there's a, usually there's a uh, civilian side part number and then there's always a mill spec attached to it as well. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. So you might look up in the parts manual, and you they, it has the mill spec listed in the parts manual. So then you go and you and you put that part request in, and then, and then you get a call. Hey, we ain't got that part. Yeah, I'm showing. I'm looking in the inventory. You got one right here. Uh, no, I'm like the, we have this part number. Yeah, it's the same thing, mm, but we can't issue it out because this and that. We have to wait and get supervisor approval. Oh, please, oh, please, I'm boy. stuck in I'm stuck in BFE out here. Just, just give me my part so I can go home. Please. Like I got local. It's Christmas for God's sake. Just, I want to go home. <laughs> just put it on the jiggle truck and let's get a move on, man. Please. <laughs> I know. I spent, I spent Thanksgiving in Detroit one time over a situation like that. I'm like I just need the parts so I can go and have a nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, God damn it! Or, and I'm the in worst Detroit. One, and then the worst of it all is when they send you the wrong stuff. Like oh. God damn it. Oh, yeah. I, no, I ordered this. Yeah, we couldn't find that, but this was close on, like, this is a, you ordered a Dash 2, but we didn't have any of those. We gave you a Dash 3. Well, I ordered a Dash 2 because I needed a Dash 2. Yeah, but the Dash 3 looks close enough. Looks close enough, and being right is two different things, you know? Uh, and sometimes you get lucky where the dashes don't really matter, and it, it works out, but more often than not. It hoses you. Right. From my, from, and from my side, one of one of my stories on the road is you get called out for something simple. Um, hey, aircraft flat spotted a tire on landing. All right, that happens. You know, let me go out there and just change a main real quick. One of the mains, you know, flat spot. All right, let me go change a mains real quick, and then uh, they'll be on their way. You know, I'll do that do that during the night while the uh, while the customer is uh, asleep in the hotel. I'll go be the elf on the shelf and appear and and change the mains out, and then. But then you always get the call from control while you're out there. Oh, by the way, um, or the pilots will let you know once you get there. Or they won't even tell you at all. And you just look in the book when you approach the plane. Like, all right, I'm going to go do my write-ups. And you also notice the write-up in there. They put, oh, generator on number two engine in op. Well, I need that. You're going to need that. Why didn't you say something? (laughs) I know. Now I really am. I'm four hours from base. And I need, I need a generator. Now that we can get one of those on order. And, oh, by the way, uh, your parts guy is off that night. So you're going to have to drive four hours home, pick that stuff up, 
or or you know in the in the AOG side they're really good with like having um, parts couriered, but then you're sit, you're just stuck there on the ramp waiting for the courier to show up in hopes that they get there in a timely fashion. If if they even get there, yeah. If they even <laughs> get there, yeah. Or you get six hundred calls. Hey, um, do I turn here or do I turn here? Well, you're on the opposite side of LA, so you're gonna have to make several turns and get on this side of town. Like, uh, do you don't have do you not have Google Maps? <laughs> I gave you the address. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And, and nowadays, Pete, we're, so, we're fortunate for technology to give us onboard GPS or handheld GPS, a.k.a. Google Maps. Like, you remember those times when they just kind of give you like a grid square? You know, they, they pull up the Thomas guide and it's like, it's it's between uh, section A and B4. Like, what the what? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, okay, so in Van Nuys, there's... Uh, signature fbo right and they're a nationwide company or whatever but uh but there's a signature east and a signature west so when i put in the parts for the courier i'm like come to signature west and they're like okay all right we'll do and so then you get a call you call them later because you're expecting them to be there at any time you know they projected they give you a timeline it projected to be there 1800 whatever so 1830 rolls around like, hey, are you almost on site yeah i've been here for uh, 30 minutes just sitting outside the gate. Nobody's let me in. Um, just waiting. Like, well, are you? Cause I'm looking at the gate right now and there's nobody there. Yeah. I'm sitting, it says signature right here. Does it say signature East? Oh yeah. Oh my God. All right. So I need you to run two miles to the West to signature West. Like I initially asked you to do. And they're like, well, I'm already over here East. Can you just come get the part? And nine times yeah, out of 10, you're like, you know what? You know what? Just don't move. I'll, I'll get, I'll come to you and I'll get the part. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay, don't, thanks. And you're like, swear to God. <laughs> God damn it. You know, like, so those of you nowadays who've never, who've never lived outside of Google Maps, Thomas Guide at MapQuest was like the life, especially for those who travel so much where Thomas Guide, they basically have that burned into their brain. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, go flip the Thomas Guide page 75 or whatnot. I have a bunch of relatives who do exactly that. There are living, breathing Thomas guides. So when I move them over to the Google Maps or uh, Verizon GPS or whatever it is they use for onboard GPS, it blows their minds. Like it gives me turn by turn of what I'm supposed to do. What is this shit? And like, yeah, that's a thing, man. <laughs> MapQuest is MapQuest is gone, man. <laughs> I've never used a Thomas guide. I did use MapQuest though. But you know how they say like, oh, you're, you know, using Google Maps though, you're you're essentially texting while driving because you're looking at your phone yeah it gives you the audio commands but you still want to look at it and it's kind of you still look at your phone to see to look at the map and whatever else and you're like well by doing that you know you're you're causing an unsafe accident on the road you know you can cause an unsafe situation on the road cause an accident whatever else but then i start thinking back to the map quest or just using a map in general and what's worse looking at your small phone kind of out of the corner of your eye looking at the road or opening up a 12 foot by 12 foot map in the front seat of your car and trying to figure out where you're going while heading down the freeway. Like, <laughs> right. We're go- we're, go- we're goofy at max, you know, on the open road, going to freaking to uh great falls, Idaho, you know, like yeah. <laughs> with the pencil and everything. <laughs> you have to, you have to roll down the window just to get the map to open fully. <laughs> right. right. You, when you actually have to need a second driver to actually open the map. <laughs> Here, well, that was with my dad. My dad still likes to use maps. So, like, we just went to Yosemite a couple months back, and same thing. He's like, "Here, look at the map," and I'm like, "I'm driving, I am, but I need you to hold this end of it." All right. 
<laughs> and he's got a highlighter and he's highlighting the route and stuff, you know, and it, it's what he likes to do. And I guess it's, it is a good skill to know how to read a map. Um, but you know, especially when you, if you get into an area where there's no cell service, but by the same token, boy, what a pain. Right. So a funny story about maps and learning how to read maps and whatnot. So after a uh, camp, you go through three weeks of field training in the Marines anyway. And part of the course is learning how to read a map. And this was when GPS was coming on the up and up or slowly coming on the up and up. And people started complaining like, well, we got these handheld or Humvee blue force tractor GPSs now. Why the hell do we still need to learn how to read a map? And our instructor goes, ah, see, batteries fail, especially when you need them. So here's your map. Here's your compass. Figure it out. Ah, uh, fuck. And one of the courses was a night navigation course and we're trying to find all these same points that we we found in the daytime which was hard enough and we're trying to find these in pitch dark I'm like where i'm supposed to go three clicks this way and there should be a tree or something i can't see shit and when this is one of those stealth quote-unquote air quote stealth missions where we're not supposed to turn on any lights so we're like not even that not even the red ir lights right yeah so like how the fuck am i supposed to read this and so we're, we're trying to find this point in the dark. And then we see like these two, someone just finally say, you know what? Screw it all. I'm going to use my damn flashlight because I am fucking lost. Right. And so he turns on his flashlight and he tries to look at his map. And then he starts looking around to see the waypoints or whatever have you. And we see these two glints in the darkness. Right. Like, what the hell is that? And we start hearing like this little meowing sound. Right. Like, what the heck is that? We, we go closer, stupid us. We go closer to the meowing sound and then we see, and then we look down and it's this baby cougar, right? Oh. We see a baby, a baby cougar on, on the oh, navigation oh. trail. Oh, hell. <laughs> and then yeah, we, where's mom at? Yeah, exactly. And then we hear rustling like a couple of hundred, a couple of hundred yards away. You just hear rustling like a, like a, a rushed rustling. Like, oh, fuck, here we go. We're getting Mama B starting to come home. Everyone dip out. So here we go, chasing down the chasing down this hill in the dark, trying to run away from this cougar. Like, oh, my God. Bunch, <laughs> of, Marines at, bunch of Marines at full sprint, heading, barreling down the hillside. See, see what I thought you were going to say was uh, he turned on his light, and then, like, Velociraptors coming out of the darkness, the drill sergeant there, you're dead, you're dead, all of you are dead, while they're <laughs> knife-handing you, you know what I mean? <laughs> this, this, that actually did happen. There's something like that did happen. <laughs> right. you you uh, dead all of you dead dead now what you you two live you carry you carry all of them back like <sighs> and then they make you lay on the ground you're dead you're dead on the ground pretend you're dead yeah and then you two carry all them back uh but sarge <laughs> but sarge that's 300 pounds worth of gear each well bet you guess you get to get real strong today <sighs> lift with your legs not your back scrub <laughs> <laughs> horsepower three pfc oh all oh, three pfc <laughs> first per three pfc three pfc god damn it why where did i go wrong <laughs> oh man so, so when you guys when you guys were on the road then did did you guys have to pull alongside the road, dig foxholes. Did you have to sleep in your vehicle? Did you stay in a hotel? All the above, depending, I guess, the situation and location on the globe. Yeah, it depends on the situation. So, like, say if you're in a, a not-so-nice area, say, a deployed setting, then, yeah, you would sleep in the truck, You would, or you would dig a, you'd dig a, a sleeping hole, or some people call them ranger graves, where you dig a hole, you just sleep there, no blankets, no nothing, just, just hang out in there. 
other times you know you would sleep in the truck you'll have like these adult diapers so you or a or a ziploc bag so if you need to go you just either go in the truck or you go in the ziploc bag and continue on but and if you're in the mainland or somewhere of, of a civilized nature then they'll try to coordinate you a hotel which all things being they're going to try to get you in the cheapest hotel possible which is probably one of those hotels that double as a meth house or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's going to be a motel six where you open it up and you can smell the 80 years of smokers when they used to allow smoking in a hotel before that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are super nice. I remember staying in a couple of those. And, but at that point in time, like that's the only option you had, but at, it, I almost went, I just rather sleep in the vehicle at this point. Cause I'm going to wake yeah. up and my allergies are going to be just kicking because I'm, I'm laying in uh, Betty White's, uh, 1972 smoke. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like you open the you open the door to check into your hotel, and, you, and like you interrupt like a, a game of uh, Texas Hold'em with all the roaches, you know, because <laughs> the roaches basically made it their home. You know, <laughs> like yeah. can you close the door, please? Yeah, you close the door. You're, let, you're letting it, you're letting out the AC. Oh, sorry, excuse me, sir. <laughs> For me, a lot of times, we, you know, you get a call, and it might be middle of the night right and you're like all right it's like you said earlier all right well let me get up get my life together make it into the home base get all my stuff loaded up and then you get out there and you you know it's 3 a.m or you get out there i don't know how far you're driving let's just say it's 3 a.m you get out there at 3 a.m you troubleshoot it down to parts right they know something's broke but they don't know what's broke you need to troubleshoot it so we don't have any parts to order yet all right so you get out there and you troubleshoot it down to parts and you put parts on order but it's again at this point in time 3 334 it's too late to get into a hotel. Everything's booked up. So you just park the, you're in your van on the ramp next to the aircraft and you just recline that passenger seat back. And that's where you're sleeping for the night, feet up on the dash, whatever else, or you're, you, you lay out, you bring like a little uh, sleeping bag with you and you roll it out in the back of the van and you sleep back there all night with the O2 bottles and oil cans. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Or sometimes, you know, like when there's no uh, hotel availability, like zero, none, and you're, your um your van or your vehicle is a little a little too packed together for you to sleep or do anything with it so you sleep at the site you know and say say depending on what it is you just roll it out same where sleep on 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 the plane or near the plane or something to that effect uh there used to be this joke of whenever Huey's went down in the field it was like oh time to go to the bell hotel because you know it's going to be a while before you get parts or tools or whatever you need. So you just open the cabin doors, you lay down your your uh, sleeping mats or whatever inside or around the plane and just crash out right there. Yeah. Yeah, I've slept under a wing before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's all you had. That's the only option you had. You just had to sleep under the wing because you're just waiting for parts. And then, or, or you get lucky, right? So the night, the night, uh, the ramp crew, they just they shuffle planes around and stuff, getting things ready for the next day. Like in the AOG side of things, in the civilian side of things on AOG, you might get lucky enough to unlock the uh, FBO's doors and let you sleep in the recliners in the pilot's lounge, you know? They're, and they'll just like, hey, we'll come get you at like 5 a.m. before the boss and we'll wake you up so, so you can get out of here before then. And so like sometimes in the FBO's, you get lucky, they'll let you in there to do that. There's showers in there. So you always had a road bag, right? For me, in the back in the truck of my car, I always had a bag with at least three or four days of clothing, some shampoo, you know, soap an extra toothbrush, all the toiletries, whatever. That way, if you got in that situation, like, all right, well, at least there's a shower in FBO. I'll go, I'll go shower in there. But I mean, more often than not, you were just, hopefully you had baby wipes on the, uh, on the ramp and that's what you could 
you could shower with. <laughs> right. Just hit all the hot spots. Yeah, and remember those orange orange uh, wipes? The um, oh, they're like blue, and they come in like a little tub. Yeah, yeah. They they smell like citrus, like the orange citrus wipes or whatever they were. Yeah. Sometimes you'd uh, you'd have to hit the hot spots with those. Yeah, it burned a little bit, but um, you know, it killed the bacteria. <laughs> it ex- it exfoliates pretty good too, you know. Because yeah. anyone who knows anything, that stuff is gritty. It's like it's lava soap, basically. You're yeah, you're showering with lava soap. It takes the top layer of skin. Yeah. You're clean. <laughs> You know, that's how they did it back in the old, in the Roman days. You know, they don't actually take showers. They just scrape off the first layer of skin. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like the old gladiators. They had that wooden curved stick that they would scrape the dirt off their legs with. Yeah. So clean. Just so clean. Mm, glorious. But at least they actually, <laughs> that was the closest thing to sanitation back then. You know, before that, you know, they would just literally piss in a bucket and toss it over their neighbor's yard, you know, <laughs> and just the cycle just repeats itself. <laughs> so I know, I know like being on deployments and stuff. From my experience, right, you go, you go a couple weeks sometimes, maybe without a shower. Uh, I maybe there were showers available, but the water went out for some reason, or something happened. I don't know, but there was no water, so you're just baby wipe, shower wiping. That only gets you so far. The baby wipes only get you so far, and after a couple of weeks, uh, everybody starts smelling pretty ripe. Now, <laughs> by the same token, you become nose blind too because everybody smells ripe. Yeah, but uh, man, it's. Nothing like a good hot shower when you're on the road working. Oh, I'll tell you, especially when you come home from being so ripe and then you come and then your family smells like, God damn it. What the, what did you do? Where did you go? Like, Where were you at? Well, let's see. This spot's from fuel. This one's from hydraulic fluid. This one's sweat. This one's the uh, greasy uh, cheeseburger that I had to eat at 2 a.m. because that's all <laughs> we had available. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the rest of it's sweaty feet. So... Yeah, there's a combination. Mm, just, just that that mix of aromas and flavors that you just can't get anywhere else. <laughs> mm, if I could just get a Yankee candle, Yankee candle called deployment. Mm, <laughs> like that in the house. What's that smell like? MVP? Oh, well, honey, that smells like depression. <laughs> <laughs> Deploy, deployment depression. Smells mm. like deployment depression. <laughs> now, now on the other end of the spectrum, right? So we've all been in crappy places. But I've also been in situations where, like, you had to head out to Palm Springs, and it was during the uh, big, it was during like Coachella or a big tennis tournament that they have out there every year. So all the wealthy people flying in on their private jets, and so while the concert's going on, you're going there to fix them. But all the hotels that are, have decent prices, well, all the prices are jacked up anyways during that time. But all the rooms that were still a air quotes decent price uh, were taken up. And so a lot of times the customer would book the room for you because they're a bigger name than you. So they have usually rooms allocated for their customers. They'll just buy additional rooms. And if they get filled up, great. And if they don't, whatever, they just want to have them on standby and they have them for air crew and all that kind of stuff. So there's sometimes you're getting like the suite on the top floor because that's all that's available. And you're just going in under that customer's name. You get in, you're like, man, this is nicer than my house. <laughs> this like, could be my house hell like i could do i can do sprints in the shower right <laughs> it's that big you know it's <laughs> so much room for activities and, and yeah so you get there and you're eating eating good good foods available to you or or like uh a couple of times you go to the bahamas right you chase a jet out to the bahamas some wealthy person's out there on vacation and you get out there and you troubleshoot it to parts well it's going to be about seven days till those parts get in there because of customs and everything else and you're like well, if you guys need me, I will be at the beach. <laughs> and you have a rental car, right? So you just cruise around. 
you get you get essentially getting paid to just wait on parts and to kind of be a vacation tourist for the week and, you know right. so you're like man this is super nice like so on those trips you always tell people like where are you going oh man make sure you take like make sure you always have in your in your to-go bag some swimming trunks and stuff because you might be on the road in one location and you might be in, in a complete dirt hole and then and that as soon as you finish that job like hey you're going to go over to the airport jump on a plane we got a 6 a.m flight and you're heading out to uh virgin islands or something Ooh, all right you know all right so you just want to be prepared for any situation. But then, but then by the same token, you might be in the Virgin Islands in February. It's pretty nice there. And the next flight, you're going to Goose Bay, Nova Scotia, where it's <laughs> negative 40 and four feet of snow. So mm. you, you kind of want to have a little mix of everything going on there because Lord knows you want to be in uh, board shorts and flip-flops and negative 40. <laughs> I especially feel that as far as like having the, the customer land or break down in areas of convenience. So East Coast... Uh, Units do this all the time where they cross country flight uh, their aircraft from the East Coast to uh, certain areas in the West, you know, for training or for events or whatnot. And it almost always happens where they will air quote break down in Vegas. So it's like, oh, hey, I know we're supposed to be here at this time, but by the way, we broke down. So it's going to take us like a couple days, maybe a week or two to get all the stuff we need so we can be back on the road and going. So all of them we know is like, okay, where did you break down? The outskirts of Vegas, I bet you. Yeah, how'd you know? You yeah, know we, we broke down conveniently at the uh, at the corporate airport, which is conveniently seven miles due south of the Strip. Right. Or, or they <laughs> break down. Just in happened to be you actually had to go out of your way because you were supposed to take the north the northbound route. How did you end up on the south side? Oh well, local ATC redirected us to this to the south side of Vegas, and that's where we had to land. And then we encountered these problems. And oh, okay. Uh-huh, sure. You're, you're, right. you're not gonna you're not even gonna try to make up a better story. This is where we're at now. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, it's the middle of spring, so the density altitude is the you know, weather and stuff like that. Oh, okay, for you would you, you wouldn't understand it's piloty stuff. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so this has nothing to do with that major concert that's happening in Vegas this weekend, right? Like, or that no, UFC fight. Not. Yeah. There's definitely absolutely not because not. there's not a UFC fight in town. Okay. No, definitely not. Or, or like they break down in New Orleans, like, no, it's not because of Mardi Gras. I don't even, I'm not even religious. Fuck Mardi Gras. <laughs> or how about when you're traveling overseas and you stop through uh, a nice location in route to a really terrible location. Oh, and, dude, and I, I guaranteed, you. guaranteed, it's always, if you're ever on a C5 Galaxy, that air crew, I mean, that plane's kind of rough anyways, and it breaks a lot. But man, do, that, do those air crews use that to their advantage? Make never fail. Like, where are we stopping through? Oh, we're stopping through uh, Italy or something like that. Oh, yeah, we're going to be here a minute. <laughs> we're, we're definitely we're we're Spain or whatever. Yeah, we're definitely breaking down. I can I can feel it as soon as you land. Yeah, hey, uh, something broke on the plane. It's going to be about a week to fix it. Right. Okay. All so, right. So I had a similar one, similar one like that where they broke down in uh, in uh, Dubai. Now oh, that place. Yeah. That place is swag. I'm telling you, that place is so nice. Their their mall in Dubai is its own city, pretty much. Like picture like the reg- a regular mall where the stores are about like mini versions of their regular sized ones. This mall in Dubai is a full size store inside a mall. So so I remember when I first went in there, they had one of the sections I was at had a Best Buy. I was thinking it's gonna be like one of those like kiosk kind of best buys but no it was like a full-size best buy three stories and all in this freaking mall and that was just one store and every store is exactly that same size yeah it's crazy like when you go to dubai it's like stepping into the future 
and because everything's so nice and so new and, and, and it's one of those few places in the world where money is never an issue, right? Never an issue. It's never a concern. You're like, yeah, build it bigger and better. I don't care. Right. How much is it going to cost? Three billion. That's fine. I'll make that up tomorrow. Just build it. Right. Now, a Dubai, that, that mall in Dubai also has a full ski hill in there. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. A full ski hill, you know, like, okay. It's not one of those like expert level ski hills, but it's, it's pretty big for people who ski and snowboard to actually have a decent time. And that was like the, that was where I, I learned how to snowboard magic. Funny enough, <laughs> I learned how to snowboard in a, in a, in a artificial snow hill in Dubai. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember looking at those, that, that same hill in Dubai and thinking like, this is about as big as what we got in Ohio, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. It's like, well, I can probably, I can probably ski down this, but I couldn't. And I still ate it. <laughs> <laughs> and they got full gear and everything, you know, like full, like full rentals and everything. It's like going to a big bear or, uh, or Ogden, Utah or something. It's like, wow, this is out of control. And this is in a mall, in a mall in the middle of the damn desert, you know? <laughs> like, wow. did, did you know, did you know in Dubai, they cloud seed? Once a week, they yeah, cloud seed and to make it rain. Can you imagine that? So you can just schedule your life like, hey, nobody be outside from the hours of of eight a.m. and four p.m. because uh, we're gonna it's gonna rain on Wednesday every Wednesday. You know, like, can you imagine? Yeah, it just that yeah. kind of that we, kind we of that technology c- they, they have access to because of the money. Yeah, we got that kind of money to make our own rain. Isn't that wild? <laughs> I know. That's freaking- like I said, it's one of those few places in the world where money is never never a concern, it, or at least it seems that way to me. What, who, right. what, who am I? I'm just above the poverty line at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I'm just trying to live, man. I'm in there in the shitty hotel with the freaking gambling roaches and shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sharing a hotel room with a homeless guy. Like, that's that's where I'm at in life. <laughs> hey, man, there are another room's only 60 bucks a night. You want to split it? Well, I got a half-chewed piece of gum and a wrinkled up uh, old newspaper. That's fine. We'll make it work. Whatever, man. Just stay on your side. I'll stay on mine. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's assuming you stop, right? Now, you were mentioning before, like having to go long distance miles, like say 300 or more. And you know, those road trips, they suck. They suck. They're brutal. Mm-hmm. And so when you're on, you're on the road, you're trying as much as you got to get to the site at a certain time because of time because of the customer or whatever have you. So you're like trying to do everything possible within legal means to stay awake through the whole time, the whole drive, you know? Yeah. You and your, you and your, cause usually for the most part, you were out on the road with uh, another person. They never, I mean, yeah, you get sent out on the road by yourself if you just happen to be, but typically if it's going to be a bigger trip like that, they always send two, two people. So you're just daisy chaining one sleeping while one's driving and you're just, you're just going back and forth like that till you get to site. So then you drive. So example for me, uh, we drove from West Virginia to Providence, Rhode Island, and was up mm-hmm. there for three days in the cold and rain doing a job. And then we finished that job up and, and we no sooner than finished that up. We get a call and said, hey, your next one's in Boca Raton, Florida. Well, all right. Do you want us just to go to like the local airport, jump on a flight to Boca Raton? Then we'll have to come back up to Providence to pick up the van and go. No, you're going to go in the van and you're going to drive to Boca Raton. That's oh my nuts. god <laughs> are you are you serious and yeah they're serious and there you are driving 16 hours to boca raton florida how you how you didn't die on the drive there you're not really sure because you're you're still a little cloudy because of sleep deprivation right. and you're going there to work on an engine change because that's what the job was oh hell 
Right. And that, that's when you come up with all the crazy uh, potions and concoctions to keep you awake throughout the drive, you know, both you and your, and your buddy. So like, uh, you get like, you start getting experimental. Like you start brewing coffee with monster energy drinks just to, <laughs> just to keep yourself awake. <laughs> yeah. You're mixing, you're mixing five hour energies with, uh, an energy drink and, and also adding a scoop of like pre-workout in there. <laughs> <laughs> just just for added kick so then your heart's about to explode but you're just you're wide awake driving 95 in a van that should be only doing 55 max <laughs> everything's clanging around the back because it's really not strapped in that well you just kind of hucked everything in there to go <laughs> right like you're driving so fast on this old beater that's not supposed to be topping out at 45 so it feels like you're re-entering earth's atmosphere and shit because it's so bumpy <laughs> like we're about we're gonna lose the hood at any point in time i got a feeling <laughs> and then your counterpart goes out of hell with it it'll be better cooling for the engine all right <laughs> <Just keep going. laughs> so that, that reminds you man like i think uh, a lot of energy drinks capitalize on people on the road like with five-hour energy drinks there was this one i remember when it first came out it was called red line and oh yeah it wasn't like a drink it was more like a syrup right it's like like the same uh thickness as cough syrup and it says on the bottle oh. do not do not drink more than 50 percent of this bottle if it's your first time right stupid ass me i didn't i didn't read that i didn't even know to read that i never knew energy drinks even came with a warning you know so they say so here i go i drink the whole thing and you you would think like my heart would be like pump pounding out of my chest but it was so much caffeine that I felt like I was going, everything was in slow motion. That's how fast I was going, you know? Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? Move, moving at the speed of sound, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or well, what's that one cartoon, um, Over the Hedge, that one squirrel, you know what I'm talking about? Where they, oh, gave, yeah. that, they gave that squirrel a soda and then he sees like the, the sprinklers in slow motion because he's going so fast. <laughs> so, so we had a guy on my first deployment ever and he used to, uh, bring his bicycle with him, right? He, we had uh, these tough boxes we would bring with all of our stuff in it. And he yeah. would break down his bicycle. It was like a BMX bike and he would put it in the tough box. And then when we got to site, he would build it back up. So like, cause we were going to be there for six months, you know? So he would just ride a bike around. He could keep training going, whatever else, just for fun. And, uh, I remember one day he, he mixed C4, which I think was a pre-workout from back in the day. Mm. And yep. like uh, one of the, like, what's one of the bigger, cans of monster energy one of like the 28 ounces or something like that oh yeah the, he, the bfc he, yeah yeah so he he uh he mixed those together and then we see him like he's riding around the ramp like at 100 miles an hour on this bicycle it's just like hey guys hey guys and he passes, he's like excuse me line of dust man look like the roadrunner you know from wiley coyote and the roadrunner and then like an hour goes by and me and the other guy are like hey have you seen so-and-so ah no man actually i haven't seen him in a while let's go let's go look for him make sure he's okay we go out into the hangar and he's like passed out on top of the workbench, like one arm and leg hanging off of it, like face down, <laughs> just snoring and drool coming out of his mouth. Like the crash was real. <laughs> just, we, went over and, we went over and poked him to make sure he was still breathing though. Like, Hey, it's like cool rings. Hey, Sanka, you dead man. <laughs> <laughs> Sanka, you dead. <laughs> that was a good freaking movie, man. <laughs> oh shit. But, you know, the, the crazy things you do, man, just to, A, make it to the site, and then, B, continue working so you don't fall asleep on the job or whatever have you. It's just some of the craziest shit, man. Shoreline, man, have you, is your experiences with live concerts and stuff, I'm sure you guys are on the road or have to go to different sites, like, 
so many times within a day, week, um, performance, what have you. Have you ever done anything like that where you had to get had to sleep on the site because there's just so much going through? And uh, I've had a, a few different few different experiences I can think of. So there was one show, uh, one of our biggest shows that we do pretty much every year. You know, it's one of those where you work through the night because you weren't able to get into the room until super late because they had another event going on. And uh, so, I mean, we were we were working for 20 hours straight. And then I was like, oh, well, I, I got to go to the hotel room. And then I got locked out of the hotel room. Uh, so I was like, screw it. I don't got enough time. I'm just going to sleep under the stage. Sleep under the stage. I'm going to sleep for about 20 minutes. And uh, they start bringing in the table and chairs. <laughs> so they built the stage. And so it just sounds over toppy. Sounds like nails on it. Yeah, so I'm just <laughs> under the stage, right? So I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, that was a good 20-minute nap. Let's get up and work another 24 hours straight. <laughs> like and no joke and that's that's exactly how that day went um you know you, you kind of start to wonder after a while how does the body continue functioning that way and 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 truth be told it really doesn't at some point you just kind of hit autopilot and you know i i was working with a band with seven vocalists and that's not easy to do um especially when it's a bunch of rented gear that i'm not entirely familiar with and i was pretty green at the time and man, I, at some point I did, I just went on autopilot and yes, no, got it all done. And everybody's like, Oh, you did really well. I, was, I don't, I don't remember it. <laughs> don't remember a thing about it. Don't remember a Nothing. thing about it. <laughs> um, you know, so like, that's, that's a, a good no sleep story. But also as far as hotel rooms go, I've stayed in some janky hotel rooms, man. Um, I can, I can, I remember one specifically you're on the road and the venue was about 200 miles away from home. And, you know, we get down there, we load everything in, we do the show, we tear everything out. So it's been about an 18 hour day and go back to the hotel room. Okay, cool. So pull into the hotel room. It kind of looks sketchy from the outside, but I'm like, whatever, it's fine. So we're sitting out there. A couple of my buddies are, are smoking and there's these two people standing outside of one of the hotel rooms watching very closely everybody else coming in and out of the hotel room and you see a couple girls with a couple dudes walk up and the couple dudes come down and then the couple girls come down and then the couple girls come go back up with another two sets of dudes uh and then so yeah i'm pretty sure you guys can all piece together what's going on here (laughs) um So I'm like, okay, it's, it's going to be one of these. That's fine. Um, then I get into the hotel room. There's blood on the walls. There's oh like, God. and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm sleeping in my car. This ain't happening. Like, so I started driving oh. home and I like part of the way driving home. I mean, just after such a long day, I was just like, okay, I got to pull into a rest stop and just nap it out for, for however long, you know, but a few stories like that. Uh, you know, just no other hotels available. And so you got to stay at the cheapest place in town and it's sketch, man. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. It's one of those where you're like, I'm not stepping foot in that bed. Not happening. (laughs) That's (laughs) how you get the hep C. (laughs) Yeah. So I got a question, Shoreline. Does your industry have standards for, I'm going to say crew rest because that's all I know how to refer to as. So in aviation pilots uh, after 12 hours, or after working, they get they have to have a minimum of twelve hours off before they can fly again. So uh, I know that doesn't pertain to maintainers at all. They say there's 
they say there's uh, rules out there where maintainers, you, you're only supposed to work. A, I think it's like after 16 hours, you have to take eight hours or something off. But let's face it, after, after like, I've worked, let's just say in a two-week period, I've worked 220 hours in two weeks. Like, that's, that's, that's balls to the wall. And you're sleeping an hour here, 30 minutes there, whatever. Like, you're, it's, not, it's not even really sleep at that point. It's just exhaustion. And so... But, you know, the air crew gets their min 12 so they can make sure they get their makeup and stuff done. <laughs> and while we're out there in the middle of the night, like I said, the elves, the elves coming to, to put their toy together for the next day. Um, so for your industry, is there any such like in the, or maybe even in six can expound on this for the military side? The military would say, well, you know, you can't you're not going to work on an aircraft past 12 hours but we can keep you another four pushing a broom around that hangar because you're not technically working on the plane. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but please. See, <laughs> so, yeah, in my industry, there is nothing like that. Um, no no is, regulations at all? Nope. Uh, it is, uh, you know, of course, a lot of the people in my industry are freelancers, so they will kind of say, you know, I'll do this rate up to 10 hours and then anything after that is time and a half or double time. But ultimately, it's like you work until there is no work and then figure it out. You know, it's uh, I, I have been on shows that have lasted four hours. I've been on shows that have lasted damn near 20, uh, 24 to 48 hours straight. Um, like a like a festival. Yeah. I mean, in festivals, you know, especially if it's a multi-day festival, you know, it's got a pretty strict schedule. So, you know, you'll be off by a certain time. I prefer festivals because generally you'll have a load in day, everything's set up, you roll in the next day. Do you do whatever work you can uh, with uh, whatever bands there are that day, get a game plan going, you run through a day and then you walk away at the end of the day and then you come back the next day, do the same thing. But when it's these, Shows where it's like either it's you have a limited time on load in or you have I've also been in situations where it's like, cool, we have this rig go like this audio and lighting rig going to this 4th of July show. Then the next day we have this other thing at a motorcycle rally going on uh, and we're going to use the same rig and we're going to have you work at this one over here load in, do the show, load out, and then go straight from that one, drive the gear, literally drive that truck just to the next job site, do the same thing, and then go Jeez. back. That yeah. sounds a lot like that sounds a lot like AOG work. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then yep. and, and that happens. So as far as uh standards on rest, no, there there are none. <laughs> and so to go with the terrible sleep schedule and already diminishing uh, health aspects of that. Uh, the diet is also oh. goes to hell pretty quick. Yeah, no, I, I can't tell you how many gas stations I've eaten in. Because um, it was open 24 hours a day. Yeah, exactly. It's the only thing around that's open, you know. It's a, it's a struggle out there trying to find some good food. Every once in a while, you get placed in a hotel that is next to a grocery store or something, and you're like, cool, I get to have a sandwich tonight. Um, <laughs> or, you know, something that's other than fried food, you know. Like well, what are, what are the, what are those in uh, the gas stations the the tornadoes you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. like the fried yeah. burrito kind of oh, thing oh yeah 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 the fried yeah <laughs> the heart attack on those yeah yep I lived like off of beef jerky and that, that's actually probably one of the healthier things I I would actually get. 
But like, yeah, like sometimes you try to get like a fruit in a cup. You try, you try to make the right decisions, but then ultimately, ultimately, again, it's fast forward and it's middle of the night again. What's open? Mm-hmm. Well, this exactly. one, either Denny's or, mm-hmm. or like a Whataburger or some combination here in Van Nuys norms uh, is open. But again, it's not, uh, not exactly the best for you. So I can tell you when I was working AOG and being on the road so much, um, I wasn't doing good. I wasn't looking after myself, wasn't exercising. That's a big part of, but it's hard to do that when you're working 220 hours in two weeks, right? When you're going to exercise, you ain't got no time for it. But, um, but I I was, I gained, I was pushed up over 300 pounds is somewhere like 310, 310 is where I peaked at um, before I started reeling myself back in some, but it's just like, you just, and then you can't, you can't do your job as well. You get that big and then you're trying to move around the aircraft or a stage in your case. And you're trying to do all these things and you're wheezing heavily because you're so overweight and just, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not good at all. Uh, on the flip side of that, I've also stumbled across some great restaurants being on the road, you know, where you do end up with a little extra time or it's just the only thing open. And you're like, well, I guess I got to stop here. One that comes to mind is I was over in, uh, in Yakima doing a show. And shout out to Miner's Family Restaurant uh, because that was the best burger I've ever had. One of the most expensive burgers I've ever had, but it was great. Um, and especially at, you know, two in the morning when it was the only thing open. We were like, well, got to stop in. It's like, whatever, just feed me. <laughs> yeah. That'll be, yeah. be 40 bucks, whatever. <laughs> just yeah, give just it a know what, or yeah. Just got off a 20-hour day and I, I, I had a, I sliced my finger open. So I've got a, a Band-Aid that's made out of paper towels and e-tape <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i used their paper towels and my e-tape and uh got a bandage out of it so that was cool um, i mean i've been there before too where you're like i can't i can't do any fast food anymore and i'm sick of going to the truck stop so one one of the places that comes to mind for me was the salt grass steakhouse down in houston okay and i was like you know what i was like you know what i got some per diem built up i'm tired like i'm, tired. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go get some real good food and I'm telling you, them steaks were expensive, but oh my god, they were so, so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you just got to treat yourself. Treat yourself at the time. So going going on to steaks, MVP. So I was in Australia, and there was this uh, one steak restaurant. We haven't been to a, a, a steak restaurant in Australia up to that point. So I said, you know what, let's go here. And we saw the price tag for most of these. Granted, these are Australian dollars, so it's like. 75, 75 cents to an American dollar, but so not that bad. Anyway, okay. we're seeing the menu and the lowest price they got is $45, Ooh. right? So I'm like, wow, but whatever, man. It's like, you know, we haven't had steak in a while. Let's do it. Chris, treat yourself, you know, let's treat ourselves, especially because, you know, we haven't been eating that great uh, up to that point. So, so we go in, we, we decide to check the menu and these guys, they must be like the best steakhouse in australia or something because they come out with like this uh this display platter and it shows them all shows you all the different steaks they got and some of their recommendations to eat them like here's our new year prime new york strip we recommend you eating it like this here's our uh, our ribeye steak we recommend eating like this and then they had this one where it was a australian wagyu marbling score seven that's what it was called it was that that long of a title and we're like ooh, what's that one you know and if anyone's ever seen Wagyu steak ever, that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. ridiculous good, you know, and that's Japanese Wagyu. So here's Australia. It's a little bit different and they score it a little bit different, but it looks relatively the same. They're like, Ooh, how much is that one? 
oh, this one here, this is for like those special occasion steaks. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a special occasion. What's that? And oh, th- this one here is about $150. Like, fuck. Whatever, give it, whatever, give it to me. Just give it to me. You know, it, if we're going to blow it, blow it good. What am I ever going to, uh, what am I ever going to maybe get the opportunity to eat this again? So let me, uh, let me just, again, treat yourself. Right. And so we and ordered three plates of those, right? So picture three plates of that marbling score seven Wagyu, Australian Wagyu was about $500 in total. You know what I mean? Ooh, Including the taxes and all the other shit. So $500 for three plates. Nah expensive but it was so fucking worth it it was great it was like a different experience in itself if you guys have never tried wagyu both japanese or australia give it a shot i tell you highly suggest it that melts it literally melts in your mouth right? it's it's so good i'm like i'm mouth watering just thinking about this right now yeah but again going back to the diets you know like both the bad end of it where you just surviving off gas station food and hot pockets and whatnot to treating yourself at a restaurant. You know, this is all stuff you just encounter on the road and sometimes and you eat what you can when you can, because you can, because if you don't, then, you know, like it's just part of that, that breakdown that you're already inducing because you're sleep depriving, you're work depriving and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. My suggestion would be if I, if I were to do this over again or to do the AOG life over again, I think what I would do is I would buy a cooler that I would keep in the van and I would have waters in there. I would have maybe something with some electrolytes, but I would have try to keep some fruit in there. Uh, so just, just some healthier options, right? Just that way, if you're as long as you're traveling, you can just kind of snack on something, whatever else to get you to hopefully a place where you can find a better meal. But right. at least you're not, not every meal is just downing a 5,000 calorie greasy bag. You know what right. I mean? Like, and I think that's where like all these uh, all these meal prep or meal delivery services come in very handy. You know, like like uh, Blue Apron, HelloFresh. Um, what's it? Uh, yeah, that'd be a great. That's actually a great idea. Six. Put those kind of things. Get those pre pre uh, made meals. And if you're starting from your home base, obviously, obviously not not every road trip is going to be the same. But you can start at your home base and throw those in the cooler as well, and then. If you could, like most gas stations, I think have a microwave inside of them, right? If you want to heat it up, stop right. in there, throw that in the microwave, and at least at least you're doing something better for yourself. Absolutely, I'm telling you, when I was over 300 pounds, I felt like crap. So, so <laughs> hey, maybe horrible. that's an idea for a, a lot of these guys who do those meal prep services. Uh, partner up with a lot of these companies, be it entertainment, aviation, whatever, who always hit the road and then have like stops. You know, or or have like certain like, hey, we'll meet you here stops, you know? Yeah, I guess if you had them in, in different towns and you say, hey, you're in you're in the uh, Los Angeles area. And if you're working at any one of these airports within this vicinity and you need food, have a courier service just like parts. Right. But they'll courier your food over to you. That would be that would be killer because then you could like, hey, show up at the FBO. You walk inside. They got your food there. Almost like a Grubhub or DoorDash thing. But for. Well, I guess you could still do that in those locations, but not every place is. But I guess if you're prepaying ahead of time, maybe maybe it's more financially better to do that, to do like the meal prep things rather than doing a Grubhub from a pokey restaurant or, or a salad bar or something. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, you know, like that's now these these are now options for you guys on the road, you know. So it's not just the the truck stops and the, the shitty, dingy uh, hotel food if they even have them, you know. Mm hmm. So <laughs> that would be, that would be, that would actually, that's a really, that's a really good idea. They could, they said a company could partner up with, uh, 
with with that and say, hey, we got this many guys who work and we work this region. Can you can you support us? You know, and yeah. maybe they don't even bring it to you on the road, but maybe they bring it to your home base and there's a cooler there where they store it at. And when you come on shift, you go, all right, and you just grab. Say, I'm supposed to go out for two days. So let me grab four meals or something, throw it in my cooler and then get on the road. You know, so you can pick them up at base. Actually, that's a that's a good idea, too. Yeah, tying all tying all this together, you know, life on the road. I mean, it sucks regardless, regardless of your industry, whether you're truckers, your entertainment, aviation, uh, service or uh, service call, independent contractors. It sucks. It sucks. And sometimes, you know, you get lucky and you get those jobs where in nicer areas. Sometimes you don't where it's in those places where you just have to make do with the trucker food or the, the gas station stuff. And, you know, there are alternatives for you know, for the healthy living, as we just said, you know, but so it, it just, so it's just one of those things you just have to roll with the punches when you get them. And, you know, you got, we got to find ways to mitigate how you sleep, how you eat, how you do the work. That's so you're not over stressing yourself and then causing more problems than you're fixing. You, you know what I'm saying? Yep. A lot of our listeners might be wondering, well, just don't go on the road. It's a simple fact. Just just work, get a get a job where you work at the home base and you work the same place every day and this and that. And that's and that's an option. That is is always an option. But as many of us know, and I'm sure you know, as at least as six and I know for our industry, and as Shoreline knows for his, to make the money, you're going to find yourself on the road. Yeah, you can make decent money at the home base, but if you want to make some real good money, you're gonna you're gonna be working your butt off on the road for it. Absolutely, and that's the simple fact. Absolutely. Uh, closing thoughts, MVP. Uh, take care of yourself. Be safe while on the road. It, never push yourself to the point where you think you might have uh, a car wreck or whatever else. There's no control out there that if you call them and say, hey, I got to stop for an hour to catch some Z's. I've been on the road for 12 hours coming to your plane. I just worked another one of your planes. They're not going to say too bad. Push through because if you got into an accident and got hurt, they're held liable at that point. Nobody's going to push you that way. So if you get to the point you it's just becoming an unsafe situation take five take five get some rest that you need get some food whatever it is you got to do uh the job's not that important that you, you have to sacrifice yourself to that extent absolutely and that's a very good point uh we would like to thank our patrons for supporting and helping us make this show your patronage has been a monumentous help for us stephanie boatman erica lamont jenny degnan Thomas Connolly, Laura Mans, Brian Freshour. You guys are true heroes to us as far as helping us make these episodes, helping us maintain our gear, keeping Shoreline happy to continue helping us make this uh, podcast. If you like our show, please like, subscribe on all your listening platforms. Leave us a review if it allows you to. Check out our merch at cancelformaintenance.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cancer for maintenance and then follow along with us so you can hear some updates some exclusive stuff specifically for you the patrons and the listeners and if you have some stories or ideas that you want us to talk about shoot us a line at cancelformaintenance.com on that contact us uh, forum or if you want to be a guest on the show same ways uh, use that cancelformaintenance.com contact form and we'll do what we can to Put your ideas on the show and or get you on the show.